I think this is a very important and visionary policy. After 25 years in the early childhood education sector, senior researcher Linda Mitchell is in no doubt about the significance of a government policy giving the country's three- and four-year-olds 20 hours a week of free education. It's something that the sector has been wanting for a long time. It acknowledges the real value of early childhood education for children and families, and there's a lot of research now showing that children benefit from good quality early childhood education, not only at the time of attendance, but later during schooling and even after they've left school. The Prime Minister, Helen Clark, has described the multi-million dollar policy as the biggest step forward in free public education since secondary schooling was made free in the 1930s. Why then has the policy attracted so much flack? For an initiative that was initially overwhelmingly welcomed by almost everyone in the sector, there's been a lot of criticism. I personally don't agree with the philosophy of trying to encourage parents back to work full-time anyway. As far as parents are concerned, they're getting something cheaper, but they're not getting the free that they were promised. It's going to be a big shift for a lot of teachers, particularly who have been in kindergarten for a long, a long time. Parents, I think, have every right to believe that if they were currently enrolled for 40 hours, that their fees would be halved. Implementing the policy has not been smooth sailing. A couple of weekends ago, Island Bay Kindergarten in Wellington held a ceremony to relaunch a range of new services. The kindergarten, which had held the traditional morning and afternoon sessions for 60 years, now offers parents a choice of morning, mid-morning and afternoon slots, as well as a pre-entry group. The general manager of the Wellington Kindergarten Association, Amanda Coulston, says it's a first in New Zealand and she expects the model will be replicated under the 20 hours policy. This community really wanted to retain sessional um, services, which is what we've done. Uh, in other communities, they've wanted longer hours, so we've uh, adjusted our hours to suit that. So in Johnsonville, we have a um, kindergarten that's opening next, next term that will be offering full-day service from 7.30 in the morning to 5.30 in the, uh, in the evening. And we have another service that offers um, six-hour days, so school days, um, because that's what the community wanted and needed. And the challenge for us is to provide quality within that. All of the country's kindergarten associations have now opted into the 20-hour scheme. However, to offer the free hours, they've had to totally reorganise their finances. The largest kindergarten association, Auckland, which provides for 9,000 children, said earlier this year it couldn't afford to run free hours. Now it says it's reluctantly opting in, but to do so will have to introduce an optional charge of 50 cents an hour for every child. And there's the rub. Because the government funding for the free hours is based on an average figure, those with low costs will get more money than they did in the past, while centres with higher costs say they're facing a loss in revenue. The Chief Executive of the Early Childhood Council, Sue Thorne, says that means the scheme can't be evenly applied. This policy is starting to become one of those where if you're in provincial New Zealand, you can be clapping your hands, queuing up at your early childhood centre now and going in and, and, and being you know um, quite likely to get your 23 hours. But if you're in, in, an, in a main urban centre in New Zealand, the, you know, your chances of getting 23 are considerably slimmer. Now, that's not 23 for all. 
The president of the Wellington Kindergarten Association, Anne Hare, says initially there was a shortfall between the government rate for the free hours and what kindergartens get at the moment through existing government funding and parent donations. You can't obviously charge a donation when people are accessing free. Fortunately, in the budget announcement, they did actually up the rate, which should make it you know, more accessible for more providers to opt in. But they don't have to opt in on start date. They can opt in later once they've got their head around their financial situation. She says associations have had a lot of pressure from parents who obviously want to benefit from the free hours policy. I know in Auckland there's been a few irate parents because, you know, after all, the policy is for parents to be able to, you know, have their child go into some sort of early childhood education or care so that they can work. I mean, at the end of the day, that's... The government wants more people working because of the ageing population. So essentially, um, yeah, I understand that. Parents would be irate. So what do these parents at the Island Bay Kindergarten make of the changes? Kinder, you're only talking about a dollar or two per session at the moment. So when, you know, when they're only coming seven or eight hours a week or for three sessions, it's not a huge cost that suddenly you're like, oh, thank, thank you, government, I don't have to pay that anymore. It's not... To me, that's how I feel. It's not like they're saving me a fortune because they're not. I would have only been paying a couple of dollars anyway for each session. I think it probably sounds good in theory, but the practicalities of it, I don't know that there's actually enough of a, a supplement going into the, to make it worthwhile for a lot of the, the crashes and, and um, childcare uh, organisations that are for full-time working parents. Another major change for the 100-year-old kindergarten service, which traditionally has been donation-based, is that it will now charge parents who don't use their free hours at kindergarten. At Brooklyn Kindergarten in Wellington, the head teacher Jane Franklin says some parents have been shocked to learn that if they use their free hours in another centre, they'll have to pay a charge on the hours their children attend kindergarten. These parents say they're still getting their heads around what it means. I think it's a shame for places like kindergarten, where previously it has been supposedly free, although up until now we've been paying a $50 a term donation slash fee. But, you know, there's only so much money to go around, and I guess the government is trying to do something good so that people can go back to work if they need to and make it available to more people. I think you've got to go back to what is the purpose of the government policy and that is to encourage women to go back to work and also to get children in childcare and it's not going to happen. One, there's not enough spaces and two, my experience is that most creches will end up charging for it anyway, just they'll go around the back door and that seems to, the message from the Ministry of Education appears that that's sort of, they, they understand that that's going to happen. How do you go around the back door? Well, charge more for the hours that are above the 23 hours. So at the moment, let's say they pay $400 for the full week. Um, what they'll do is charge $350 for the full week, but just more for that portion of hours above the 23 hours. The Early Child Care Council represents about 1,000 centres catering for about 50,000 preschoolers. Its chief executive, Sue Thorne, has largely led criticism of the scheme. One much-publicised complaint is the way the Ministry of Education has advised centres on the policy. 
Mrs Thorne says she's been told by centre staff that they're being encouraged to bend the funding rules to accommodate the free hours. It's been really interesting in the way that this policy's moved around because back at the beginning of the year when it was suggested that centres would be able to rearrange their finances so that they charged more for the hours that three and four-year-olds were attending over and above their 23 or perhaps charge more for the younger age children in the centres, the ones and two-year-olds, that was quickly poo-hooed as no, that was definitely not going to be allowed. It was against ministry policy and I think that made front page news. Since that time, the uh, Ministry of Education have been encouraging services as a part of the seminars that they've been running to help centres work out how to implement this policy, encouraging centres to exactly do that. Are you suggesting there's a bit of jiggery-pokery going on? Absolutely, and it's the only way that you can make this policy work. It's, it was really clear right at the start that if you've got costs in excess of what the government was funding the service at, you were going to have probably three options of how you dealt with it. You were either going to make enormous losses in some cases, in which case you weren't going to be around for too long, whether you be community-owned or privately owned. Secondly, you could look at cutting some costs and cutting costs in our sector means cutting quality because the single biggest cost of providing early childhood education is your staffing costs. The next option would be to the, the ministry's suggestion of asking parents for an optional fee to cover those things that the centre provided over and above minimum regulated standards, such as more teachers than is required. And that was something that you could only ask parents. The ministry have made that very clear. Parents do not have to pay the optional charges. You can only ask them would they like to. So you've got no surety of income as a service provider if you take the optional charges. And the alternative was to do something far less transparent, probably the best way to put it, and, and that is to say, well, OK, um, how can we recover the shortfall and can we look at recovering it from some of the other chargeable hours that the service operates and that seems to be the way from what I'm hearing that many of the centres have gone and they're doing this on the Ministry of Education's advice. But the Ministry says the approach has been to give clear information. A senior manager Carla Kane says the intent of the policy is that parents see a significant reduction in fees so it's important that there's flexibility for the centres to structure their finances. But does flexibility mean just shuffling money around to make the policy work? What flexibility means is that there is space in this policy for parents and for services to talk about what level of service they want and what sort of optional charge they think they need for that, what parents are prepared to pay for. But Sue Thorne says centres have been put under a lot of pressure to opt into the scheme. The Ministry have been held bent on making this policy work. I don't think I've ever seen such an investment of effort into how can we make this policy work and how can we convince centres to do so. And parents have an expectation, rightly so, that they will access this policy. So centres certainly feel like they are the ones that are going, it's, it's back in their court, you know, we're the ones that are going to stop you from getting this if we say no. So they have to manage their families pretty carefully on this issue and explain to them why they're not prepared to risk the viability of the service or the quality of what they provide to children. The Education Minister Steve Mahari says the policy hasn't been easy to implement. This is a whole sector that we don't own who are running their business who are trying to make sure that they uh, can uh, balance their books at the end of the day and at the end of the year. So no one's pretending here that this hasn't been a challenge for the sector 
to go along to, to meetings and so on and work through how they will run this has been a big challenge. But I think the Ministry has done an extraordinary job over the last little while, 162 meetings this year working around the country. That's, that's real commitment from the staff. Are you utterly confident the Ministry hasn't been telling centres to bend the rules to fit the 23? Well, I ask them uh, what they say at these meetings and they tell me what they say at these meetings and they've been saying what's in the booklet. National's Early Childhood Education spokesperson Paula Bennett isn't convinced. She points to the case of a Tauranga preschool which last week told parents it was introducing a surcharge of $20 a day to get around a shortfall in funding for the 23 hours. Parents were told the surcharge was for quality educational activities, such as interesting guests, sumptuous morning teas and an aesthetic environment. The Ministry says staff have been talking to the Tauranga Centre to ensure the rules are being followed properly. Paula Bennett says even if the charges are optional, the case raises important questions. If I pull up and I've, you've got two parents and one parent is paying it and one's not, you know, and I'm saying, well, I'm paying it for extra teaching. I want, I want the ratios to be lower than the minimum standard. So if my child falls over and I've paid it, is my teacher going to go and pick them up? But you haven't paid yours, so yours isn't going to be. I mean, it, there's ridiculous scenarios that just can't possibly happen. Carla Kane says the Ministry will be monitoring the scheme closely to ensure services aren't breaking the rules. We're quite clear. If a service breaks the rules, we will be following that up and we will be clarifying what the rules are, and ultimately we could take the free funding back if they're not following the rules and refuse to follow the rules. OK. Come on. Dad's going to help you, OK? Wellington couple Catherine and David Brownlee prepared dinner after another busy day. They have a preschooler, Cara, in full-time early childhood education. We get there about 8 o'clock in the morning and drop her off and pick her up. We have to pick her up by 5.30 because we both work till 5.00. We normally get there about ten past, quarter past five to get her. That care cost them $280 a fortnight. They're looking forward to Cara turning three in two months' time to take advantage of the 23. I happen to be on the, um, the management board at Creche as well, so I know that there is going to... They haven't specified to me personally what the additional optional, and that's in quote marks, costs are going to be, but I do know that there's a shortfall between what the government provides as funding and the actual costs to the centre. She estimates they'll save about $70 a week, which David says is significant. I mean, it's huge for us because Catherine in December is going to be finishing work again. We've got another yeah. baby on the way. Yeah. Um, and going down to one income, you know, you kind of, your whole life is set up for sort of the money you've got coming in. If you have it, <laughs> it hurts for a while. So, you know, yeah. we've, we've going to eat into the savings considerably for time off, having the outgoings reduced is a huge help. While it works for them, Catherine says that's not the case for everyone. People are naturally sceptical of the promises that government makes, but I think because there has been this promise for so long of some free childcare, there was the hope that it would be free rather than having a shortfall which had to be made up with costs written off as sunblock or special dinner or whatever, you know, whatever the creche manages to make it up as. So you've got to kind of do a bit of creative... Accounting. Accounting. Yeah. Does it matter that it's not free? It's still cheaper, isn't it? It is still cheaper. And I think, if I'm to be brutally honest, to me, no, it doesn't matter. I, I think because the savings are still going to be pretty significant, to me, no, it doesn't matter. Others, however,
however, are not so sanguine. The National Party has made great play in Parliament of what they say is a broken election promise. I'm simply amazed that the National Party continues to attack this policy which will save parents thousands of dollars a year. Thousands of dollars a year. Supplementary question, John Key. Well, this is the reason that the Prime Minister didn't actually answer that question. We didn't ask her whether it would save New Zealand parents thousands of dollars. The question we asked her was would it be free? Paula Bennett says free should mean free, and she says she can't guarantee the so-called free hours would be retained by a national government. It's not a reality, and I think it's the, word, it's the use of the word free and promising. You know, free means no charge, and I don't believe you can do that, and so I wouldn't be promising that. National, before the last election, talked about tax breaks. Yeah. Is that still on the table? It, it is currently. So we haven't changed our policy, and at the moment it is, um, it is tax breaks. And some people really like it. Steve Mahari maintains the scheme is free. Free means free, and that's exactly what it does mean. I think we've got to get used to the notion here that we're doing something that's not that different to you going to your local compulsory school. Where the local compulsory school, of course, is funded for what is understood to be the quality level of education at primary, secondary level. And the school may say, let's go on a trip up Ruapehu. And your child will come home and say, we're going on a trip up Ruapehu. And it will have the following costs attached to it. That's an optional charge. You can say, no, I don't want you to go on a trip up to Ruapehu. I'd rather you stayed, stayed at school. And it's no different than you're coming home and saying, hot lunches are provided. 20 hours free is 20 hours free. But it's not free. If you look at the, the tree house, which is an example in Tauranga, where for the $20 surcharge you can get aesthetic and beautiful surroundings. Mm. You can get educational and interesting visitors, nutritious mm. and sumptuous morning teas. Mm. That to me looks like someone trying to bend the rules to get around free. Yes, you and I could probably sit here for the rest of the morning with you saying it isn't and me saying it is. Uh, but it is. 20 hours free means 20 hours free. And if a, if a centre is not doing that, of course, they won't be given the subsidy. It's as simple as that. And in the case of the, of the treehouse, uh, those people have gone off to have another think about the way that they constructed that letter because, in essence, they're, they're, they're arguing that perhaps they would be uh, charging for things which you would expect to be part of the everyday education of the, uh, of the child. So uh, they understand that they've, they've really mixed up the, the whole process and I understand that they've gone off to have another think and reconstruct what they're going to do and they will comply with the rules or, as I say, I mean it's a voluntary system, the government's offering money but centres don't have to take it. Uh, they will decide that perhaps they don't want to be part of the, the system. People have been saying, why doesn't the government just admit that it's not free? Why don't they call it a subsidy? Because that's what it is. Because it's not a subsidy. And as I say, it's extremely important to establish the principle that we want to get it right. What does it cost to provide 20 hours free? And that's why I've told the sector at numerous meetings that we will do a sample over the summer period to see whether we're picking up any anomalies and we will do a full audit at the end of the financial year to make sure we've got the sums right. And if we find that there are different cost drivers, we haven't got them right, remembering that this sum of money comes from fully auditing the accounts of the sector, uh, then we'll, we'll certainly change it. Simple as that, because we have to get this right. This is the beginning of a major step towards education being recognised in the early childhood sector. G'day, mate. What did you do today? I 
painted a dinosaur, then we made a storybook, and then we sang a song. Start them up early with 20 hours of free early childhood education to get them excited about learning. The sooner they start to climb, the higher they'll get. Wellington couple Jackie and Jeremy King say despite this television advertising, the free hours aren't free. The couple has two preschoolers and would like to take advantage of the policy, but the centre their older daughter attends isn't opting into the free hours. For some centres it is 23 hours, but because of kids' reserves, you know, we send Hannah to kids' reserve because it's convenient. I, mean, I work in the same building. But on top of that, you've, you know, they pride themselves on, on having really high standards. They've got high ratios, staff ratios. They, they provide a really good cooked lunch. They have lots of outings and, and obviously very high leases. Then they can't, they can't, meet, they can't stay within that, that cost. It's just, it should be made simple. That's the whole biggest weakness with the whole thing. It's too complicated. They say they'd like to see incentives for a parent to stay at home. Play centres have also criticised the scheme. At Brooklyn Play Centre in Wellington, the supervisor Heather Walker says by excluding play centres from the 23 policy, the government is sidelining the 60-year-old service which is based on the importance of parents as educators of their own children. To run a play centre session, it's not just parents rock up at the door. We do have to have a level of training which play centre provides in-house and which is NZQA approved and we have to have approved first aid as well. So we do have a level of training, it's not just become a parent, you can run she and Maureen Woodhams from the Wellington Play Centre Association say the policy undermines what play centres do. I think the reason they're doing this goes back to Helen Clark's speech in 2005. She needs to get more mothers back into the workplace and the only way to do that is to convince people that there's something just as good that they can be doing with their children. Having children be in the community and doing possibly non-structured things with people who love them but happen to not have a teaching diploma, people who are their parents, is being marginalised. It's sort of like what you do after work or what you do in the weekends rather than an option for the education of your child because it works really well. It just seems ironic that there's promotions on TV about team up, spend time with your children. Well, that's what we do and we love it. And we don't want to be paid to run sessions for our kids. We want to be here, but we'd really like to be respected as a quality option for our children and to spend time with our kids. Many parents draw a link between Helen Clark's 2005 State of the Nation speech, seen as a call to young mothers to get back to work to boost the country's economy. Ms Clark told Morning Report that getting more women into the workforce was pretty important. Uh, the analysis that's being done now by OECD and by Treasury of uh, why New Zealand is lagging behind an average GDP per capita uh, does partly relate to this issue of less participation than we could have of women in the workplace. Now, you can't just wave a magic wand and make that happen because women want to know that their kids are well cared for and I think women are also you know, particularly interested in the balance of life issues. I think we've got work to do in this country. Uh, we're a, a long, long way off uh, what the top European performing economies are doing in the area of childcare, for example. But the Education Minister, Steve Mahari, states categorically that getting mothers back into the paid workforce is not the aim of the 23 hours policy. It's not. It's an education policy and the research that we have shows that if we invest in early childhood education we get a real result for kids right throughout the education system and hopefully throughout their life as a result of that. 
So I, as Education Minister, want to pay for early childhood education. And of course, this goes back to what the early childhood sector itself wants. It's been arguing for years. It's not childminding. It's not childcare. I noticed my opposition uh, the other day in the National Party referred to it as childcare. This is early childhood education, and we're establishing the principle here that we believe in this country that's a dollar well spent on investment in education. It's not to do with people going to work. It's to do with educating young New Zealanders. Are you resiling from the whole women back to work issue because it's become <coughs> politically unpalatable? No, I think you're including two discussions. One discussion about choice around people go to work or not. It's hardly unpalatable to talk about whether you give people a choice to go to work. Uh, but what, I, what I'm saying is that this policy very clearly is about the fact that we know that our investment in early child education is a great investment and we want to do that because it benefits those kids. Participation rates in early childhood education are high in New Zealand with more than 90% of five-year-olds having attended some form of early childhood education. But the Ministry says children aren't attending for long enough, only 14 to 17 hours a week and a lot of children have only nine hours a week. It says children don't benefit if their participation rate isn't intensive enough to create positive education outcomes. Maureen Woodhams from Play Centre begs to differ. It's actually a load of rubbish on the basis of the research that we've got about young children and their learning. When you look back at the research that Steve Mahari keeps referring to, and it's a competent child study, which was done in Wellington, and, and sort of I know one or two people whose children were in it, um, the placing to children would only have gone to perhaps at most 10 hours a week. And yet the place centre children who participated in that study came out in the very top group of achievers in terms of persistence and maths and literacy and things like that. So all the ways they measured it, and the place centres were measured for quality as among the top group. And there you are, they were going for not more than 10 hours a week because that was the association policy at the time. Steve Mahari says regular attendance will give a child the cultural capital that he or she needs at school. They get started on, on the kind of skill-based, knowledge-based, attitude-based that will serve them really well once they arrive at, at school, whereas the child that doesn't more often doesn't have access to the kind of experiences that will set them up for school. So, yeah, regular attendance is what you're after. Linda Mitchell, a senior education researcher at the Council of Educational Research, says a number of studies show that the length of time children attend makes a difference. Competent children, competent learners in New Zealand, um, a big longitudinal study in England and Northern Ireland, um, Swedish studies, which have shown that the number of years of attending early childhood education really does make a difference, and that three or more years before starting school gives children a good start if you look at their later competencies during the school years. There's less evidence, however, about the number of hours per week, but the up to 20 hours free is within the optimal intensity that um, children should benefit from. Linda Mitchell says what the research does show is the real value of quality early education and she says it's a shame the 20 hours policy, which she describes as brilliant, has been subjected to so much negativity. I think the problems that we're seeing at the moment are to do with implementation. It's a big change for the early childhood sector and it needs to be worked through. And I know that some centres are saying the rates are not high enough I think the Ministry of Education needs to very carefully monitor 
what's going on there and evaluate the policy. But it would be tragic if the policy fell over because of implementation difficulties. With the scheme set to roll out from next Sunday, all eyes will now be on the final number of centres which have signed up for the scheme. Depending on how many are in and out, another round of judgments will begin about whether this is a good idea but unworkable or a misunderstood policy that truly is visionary.